the Hudsons who are serving in Honduras, one of our Go Missionary uh, uh, partners, and actually one of our new ones. And they're doing some great work, so please do pray for them as they outline some different ways that you can be a part of their ministry, lifting them up. Uh, they even mentioned, maybe it was kind of brief, but they mentioned about some Bibles, and you are a part of that. Uh, you are a part of sending Bibles down to them so they can work with kids down there in Honduras, so thank you for that. That's a, a part of your giving goes to those kinds of efforts, not just here locally in Adele, but also around the world, which is an exciting thing. Well, glad to see you guys all here today. I'm Ryan, if we haven't met. And this morning, we are wrapping up our sermon series called Prayers That God Always Says Yes To. And uh, it's been my hope that this series has been a, an encouragement to you in your prayer life specifically, uh, and also a challenge to you that, uh, that it has given you something to kind of spur you on in this area. You know, if nothing else, I hope that you've heard through these past several weeks that God loves to hear from you. God loves when we pray to him. He loves to, to, to have us come and share our heart with him, and, and he does a special work as we pray. You know, as we are in prayer, he, he, he builds and deepens our love relationship with him. He also begins to change who we are as we pray. He, he begins to help us become more like Jesus in our character and in our conduct. Prayer is not just a, an extra thing on the side. Prayer is really the main thing when it comes to following Christ. So again, I hope this has been an encouragement uh, to you. So if you would, grab your Bibles, please, because we are this morning, as we wrap up, we are going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 9. If you have a smart, tablet or smartphone, as I often say, uversion.com is a great app, and you can follow along there. Now, as you're turning to Matthew, first book of the New Testament, I also wanted to mention a couple of things. The first is that starting next Sunday, we are beginning a new sermon series. There it is. We're going to be going through the book of Malachi. Malachi is in the Old Testament. Maybe you're like, I haven't heard of Malachi, or maybe some of you have. But uh, it is actually the last book of the Old Testament. So in that regard, sort of easy to find. But Malachi has, as we spent six weeks going through it, there's a couple different focuses in why we're doing this book. The first one is that it's a, it's a conversation, the book is, a conversation between God and his people. And in this conversation, God is, is speaking to them about some very specific, practical things that they were going through, but they're really things that we oftentimes go through ourselves. Really, it's also about relationships, that God wants to help us and teach us about things about our relationship with him and our relationship with other people. And so that's one important focus. The other one is that Malachi is the last, as I mentioned before, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi helps prepare the hearts of readers for the coming of Jesus. In a sense, Malachi, part of why it's there and, and what it's aiming to do is to prepare its readers, repair us for Christmas the first Christmas. And so as we go through Malachi, what it's going to do is prepare our hearts as we get ready for the Christmas season and we begin to celebrate the birth of Christ. So that begins next Sunday, book of Malachi. And as we're talking about November then, the Sunday after that, this is November 10th. This is especially for members, but anybody's invited. We're doing our annual business meeting. Sounds super fun, right? Uh, but it is important, and we are going to have food for you. So if nothing else, free lunch is available, and you can stick around. But we're going to be talking about the next budget. We're going to be talking about uh, the bylaws. We've got new members to vote on. There's all, all updates on all kinds of different projects going on. So uh, mark your calendars for that and plan to be a part of that time on November 10th after the second uh, service. Okay, you found Matthew yet? Are we all there? If not, you can follow along on the screen behind. 
In Matthew chapter 9, what we have here is we've got a scene where we've got Jesus in action. We've got Jesus doing ministry, which I actually love because we get to see what did he do when he was out and about doing ministry? What did he do? And then from this, we're going to learn some principles here this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 is where we'll pick up. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Now, those synagogues was a gathering for the Jewish people on Saturdays. They would come to the synagogue, so he would go to the synagogues and teach. So teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. There we got to pause here real quick. We got a, a really neat snapshot here. So, so Jesus, he would go around town to village. He was with the people. He engaged with the people, and he would engage with the Jewish people there, going to their synagogues and talking with them about the kingdom of God. He would also go to street corners and where non-Jewish people were, and he would begin to talk to them as well about the kingdom of God. He did good for people. He loved people. He, he did miracles and healed people of diseases and sickness. Let's keep going. Verse 36 as, as this begins to unfold. And it says this. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Now I want to stop here real quick because this word compassion is an important word. This word in the Greek, the way you say it, it's actually kind of fun. It's splachniknomai. That's how you say it. So here, to make sure we're all awake, let's say it together. Now if you're like, what was a weird sound? What did you just do? It does help clear the throat. I'm, I'm telling you. So if you ever have trouble... Talk about compassion in the Greek, you're good. It's splachnik of my. That's how you say it. Ready? You want to say it together? Ready? One, two, three. Splachnik no my. Oh, okay, that was, that was okay. That's okay. Work on that today. So that's this word. So it says that when he saw the crowds, Jesus had this splachnik no my. He had this moment. What this means is a, a nodding of the stomach. Ever experienced that? That where your stomach is kind of turning, you're bothered by something. That's what's going on with Jesus. He'd go to these towns and villages, and he's with the people, and he sees what's going on. It says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed, and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So, so the scene that we see here is that Jesus, he's rolling into town. And as he did, he would, he would see the people and he would look them in the eye, and he would see what they're going through. And what he saw broke his heart. What he saw bothered him inside. He saw people that were hurt. He saw people that were broken. He saw people that were, that were lost. He saw people that needed rescue from their sins. He saw people that needed a shepherd that were struggling in this way. And so he sees all this going on. But this isn't just about something that happened. Because this is about our community today too. It's the same. Because people are people and situations all are the same. And you know this as well as I do, that in our community all around us are people that are hurting, that are broken, that are in pain, that are grieving. There are people that are harassed and helpless. It's, it's in our community. It's in my neighborhood and it's in your neighborhood. It's in your workplace. It's in our schools. Pick any campus in an ADM school district, and every campus there are hurting kids, struggling kids. There is pain. It's all around us. It's happening. This is, this is the same thing. We know that families are hurting. We know that people are struggling. And we know that there are a lot of people in our community that are trying to figure this all out without the Lord. This is what's going on. The question for you and I is, do we see it? Are we paying attention? 
Does it, does it have our attention? Are, are, are we paying attention? Are there things that we see that are breaking our hearts? Where are we at with this? Now, you know as well as I do that we may hear this and we may agree, but what plagues me and what plagues you, what keeps us from this place is busyness. And we're so good at being busy, aren't we? We get so busy, we get that tunnel vision and we've got the tasks to get done and, and projects matter more than people because I've got the pressure and the stress and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and we go about our day and we miss so much. I miss so much around me. I miss so much of the people and the needs. But we see here an example from Jesus coming back to, to him that he, he didn't do that. Yes, he was preaching the kingdom of God. Yes, he was healing diseases. Yes, he was doing good. Yes, he was serving, but he saw people. He took the time to look people in the eye, to pay attention, to see what it is, what they're going through. And what he saw broke his heart, turned his stomach. It was real. This is what happened with him. And so we see here that Jesus, as it says in verse 36, Jesus felt compassion. Now here's the key. Compassion is not pity. Compassion is not feeling sorry for somebody. We all know what that's like. Oh, stinks to be you. You're going through X situation. Glad it's not me. You're going through this situation. Boy, I hope it works well for you. Keep warm and well fed and you go about your day. That's pity. But compassion takes pity and action, moves them together. It's where you're moved by pity into doing something, into responding. And so verse 36 says that when he saw the crowds, Jesus felt compassion. Let's keep going, verse 37, because we're going to see Jesus now moved with compassion. The turning of the stomach began to move into action. Verse 37 says, then he, saw, uh, then he said, excuse me, to his disciples, he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So what happens? So, so Jesus sees what's going on. He's moved. He wants to do something. So what he does is he starts with prayer. Sometimes we start with task, don't we? Sometimes we start with, let's mobilize this. Let's do this. Let's raise money here. Let's get this program launched. But Jesus started with prayer. And specifically, he said, guys, his disciples, he pulled his disciples together. He says, guys, here's what I need you to do. I need you to start praying. Do, do you see what I'm seeing? Again, to his disciples, he's saying, look, everywhere we go, we're seeing people that are hurting, harassed and helpless. But guys, let me remind you, the kingdom of God is moving. God is, is at work. And these people, they're built with a need for God, but they're looking for him in all the wrong places. So guys, again, this is what I need you to do. I need you to start praying. Will you do that? When we go to towns and villages, I know there's tasks to be done. I know there's this going on and that going on. But don't forget, first and most, Pray. Pray for the people. That was what his charge was. That's where Jesus begins. If you have your bulletin, turn it over. On the back side, if you're not already there yet, here's your first fill in the blank this morning. Here's our big idea for this, this morning. It's this. Is that God will always say yes to your prayer to be used by him. God will always say yes to your prayer to be used by him. I want you just to just pause here for a moment because I think we hear this and, and people on a stage say this in churches and all the, all the time, but, but just absorb this for a moment. That God, the maker of heaven and earth, who can accomplish whatever he wants in spite of us, chooses and desires to use your life to make an eternal impact in the life of someone else. That's mind-boggling. 
That's mind-boggling that God would want to do this. But this is what it is. He wants to use us. He can use us. He will always say yes to your prayer to be used by him. But here's what happens. Is we hear this, and I think we agree with it, and I think we understand it, and we even say inside a hearty amen. But then what happens is when we leave here or we leave anywhere else and we go about our daily lives, we get the quick case of the yabuts. You ever get the yabuts? It's this idea where it's like, it's like God can use your life, and you're like, yeah, I know, yeah, but I've never been to sermon, seminary. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I mean, that guy over there to my left sure does, so I'm sure God meant it for him. That's who he's really speaking to, but I, I don't know so much. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really shy. Yeah, but I'm busy. Yeah, but I'm allergic to people. I mean, it doesn't matter. We can come up with all kinds of things of yeah, buts that we put in obstacles in the way where we say, I understand God wants to use my life. I understand God can use my life, but I just don't think that's for me. I don't think that's, he meant it for me. And I want to tell you this morning, he does. Because being used by God and coming to a place where God can work in your life and through your life has very little to do with ability. It has to do with availability. It has to do with coming before him and saying, God, here I am. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. And frankly, I feel completely inadequate. And God says, yes, that's the perfect person. that I can glorify myself through that person. They're just willing. They're just willing. And so I'm going to do something remarkable in that person. That's all of us. We all come to God in that exact same place. God, I can't do this. Your kingdom is forcefully advancing, as it says in Matthew, and this is so much bigger than me. I just get to be a part of it. And so whatever part you see fit, sign me up. I'm willing. God will honor that prayer. God will say yes to that prayer. He will. That's the prayer he wants to say yes to. And so we see Jesus. He was, he was burdened. He, he, he called through because of compassion. He responded. He called his disciples together. Guys, you need to pray. And that ends the story of Matthew chapter 9. And sometimes then we close our Bibles because it's a chapter break, right? Those actually weren't in the original manuscript. They're just, we put them in later on. The story continues in Matthew 10. So we're going to transition now to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Here's what it says. Here's what happens next. It says that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Did you catch this? Matthew chapter nine, guys, I need you to pray. I need you to pray because because we've got to do something here. The people harassed and helpless, there is a harvest waiting. Chapter 10, Uh, guys, you're it. You're the answer to your prayer. You're the ones, you're the ones I'm calling to go and do this. Here's your next fill in the blank is this, that as you pray, as you pray for God to work, be ready to be the answer to your own prayer. Which makes perfect sense, right? Because you're already praying about it. You're already, you're already leaned in. You're already praying about this. And so the disciples, they start praying. They go into roll into towns and villages and they see things. They're like, God, that... That's hard to see. God, I, they have needs. God, this person spiritually just is, is not okay and, and, and emotionally not okay. And I'm beginning to see all these needs. God, we just start praying. All of a sudden, God's moving in their hearts. And then Jesus says, you're the ones. You're the ones I'm going to send out. You're going to be the answer to your prayer. And that's what it looks like in your life too. It is. It, it's, where, it's where, like Jesus, we begin to see certain things going on around us. 
And then as we see them, it just begins to, and this is my encouragement to all of us this morning, we just begin to pray about it. So maybe for you, it's, it's just having a heart, heart for kids. And maybe specifically, it has to do with foster care, maybe even adoption. And you see what's going on, you see kids, and there's so many kids that don't have families, and, and so you just start praying for them. And then all of a sudden in time, maybe God begins to move in your heart as you're already praying about these kids. All of a sudden, God, maybe you're leading me to do this. Maybe this is something where you're leading me, us, to make a difference in the life of some kids. Okay, God, I feel completely inadequate, but I'll sign up for a class. I'll get more information. That's kind of where it begins. Or maybe for you, it's, it's you see things in the news or you know somebody or something happens and it's the sex trafficking industry. And it ticks you off. And by the way, it should tick us all off. It should bother us. And so because it bothers you, you just begin to pray about it. God, this makes me mad. God, this is not okay. This is not the way the world should be. And so I'm just praying about it. And as you're praying about it, don't be surprised if God begins to stir your heart and all of a sudden opens a door of opportunity. And then you find yourself, God, I, I guess I'm going to do this here. I guess I'm going to step out and be a part of the charge to try to end this sick trade. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. Maybe for you it has to do with you just have a heart for teenagers and you see what's going on in the high schools. This is not okay. Middle school, it's not okay. There's some kids out there really hurting and, and, and I, I feel completely inadequate, but I'm just going to start praying for these kids. Well, don't be surprised if time as you're praying and God begins to change your heart, all of a sudden it begins to open an opportunity because that's what happened. As you pray, God softens your heart and sharpens your call. That's what it looks like. But it starts with us coming before God in prayer and saying, God, I see it. Jesus saw the crowds. Help us. Help me to see what's going on around me and then respond back to him in prayer. And as you do, watch out because God is going to use your life. And let me share with you one example. And I can share plenty of examples of things I didn't do well. But, but here's one that just, I look back in my life and I'm like, this is, this is really what it looked like. I was fresh out of college. I was new to ministry. I didn't come to Christ until my senior year of high school, so I'm even a fairly new Christian. And working at a camp in Colorado, a Christian camp, and it was a summer camp, and, and the kids would come, and, and it was fantastic and great. And we had plenty of kids from all over, really, but especially Colorado that would come to camp, and they, they were in tough families and tough situations. They weren't a part of a local church, and they would show up, and it's like, they're a mess. I mean, everything around them is just this train wreck. And we begin to love on these kids throughout the week of camp. And as oftentimes happens, when you begin to love on kids and pour truth into them and, and get them disconnected from their cell phone, all of a sudden God has their attention. And he began to work. And the person who showed up on Sunday is not the same kid who would go home on Friday. And these kids would go home and they called the camp high and it was just an exciting thing. And, and they would go back to their lives in wherever city they lived in. And the next summer we'd see them back and they were right back in the same place they were before. It was like we have the one week but the other 51, they're human pinatas just being beat up by culture. And so we didn't know what to do. So we just started praying. God, these kids, not all of them, but there's a handful. And there's actually a lot of them. We don't know what to do. And so we started praying. And about a year later, circumstances just kind of began to work. It was a God thing, and we launched Nav Youth, or it was Navigators, Navigator Youth. The next thing I know, I'm up in Denver with the team, and we are there to reach kids. 
unchurched kids, kids that we had connection to. We had this list of names, and so we started getting on the phone and calling kids, and next thing you know, we got some Bible studies pulled together. Next thing you know, I'm in hallways walking around meeting their friends. Next thing you know, we've got, we've got uh, 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 groups of kids that we're working with. A year later, st- they're still in Denver area working. I'm, I'm now connected to a high school, and I become the high school baseball coach. Didn't see that coming. Didn't even apply for that, but here we are. God just keeps opening these doors and just praying for kids. And I've got my, my players now. And I remember our biggest rival, the one just across the town from us. We played them on, on, um, on a certain day of the week. I, I forget. I think it was Thursday. And we played them. And it was past the weekend. The next day, I think it was on a Tuesday, that rival high school was called Columbine High School. Two guys with guns went in and shot up the school. You know the story. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a front row seat with others to this tragedy. They did not pray for this. And even in a million years, it just began with this, this prayer of, God, we just have a heart for these kids. And he began to soften the heart and sharpen the call and open these doors, one after the other. And now all of a sudden, I go from putting the baseball glove away and the bat, and now all of a sudden we're just counseling kids and working with them as they've lost their friends. They don't feel safe. What is going to happen to my school? That's what it looks like. But it begins with a conviction that you know that God can use your life to make an eternal impact in the life of someone else. And it begins with the practice of simply saying, God, I'm praying and I'm available and I have no idea what to do, where to start. It doesn't even matter, but I'm here. So would you do something? God will always say yes to that prayer every single time. It's what Jesus did. Jesus started with prayer. Moved by compassion because the people around him were harassed and were helpless. Matthew chapter 10 continues on. And I want to encourage you this week, if you're looking for a place to read scripture, Matthew chapter 10, go there. Because because Jesus then begins to, to pull his disciples together and he begins to coach them on how to do ministry. And if you ever wonder, like, I don't even know what ministry is about, go there. There's just these, it's a one-time descriptive event of something that Jesus was doing, but also the principles are just weaved in there throughout, and you can learn about what ministry looks like. And, and so as we close this morning, I just want to give you just a very quickly, I think three very short examples here as we look at Matthew chapter 10 of what happened next to the story. Because, because the guys prayed, and Jesus said, you're the answer to prayer, and it's like, well, then what happened? What's the sequel? Part two. Like, I want to know kind of what the story unfolds from there. Well, there's more in chapter 10, but I just want to give you a couple examples. So your bulletin, here's next fill in the blank. It's this. Next fill in the blank is Jesus. The first thing he did with the guys, he called them, but he says he built serving teams. This is what he did. He, because the idea is that no one serves alone. So look with me at Matthew chapter 10. Now we're in verse 2. We're just going to keep going here through, through Matthew 10. It says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Notice something, by the way, in verse 1, these 12 guys were called disciples. Disciple means learner or follower. Now in chapter 2, they're called apostles, which means sent ones. There is a distinctive change in these disciples in terms of what Jesus had for them. Up to this point, they were learners. They're learning about what Jesus is teaching them. They're they're learning all these things. And now in verse 2, their role switches. He says, now you've learned, I'm sending you out. Now it's time to do ministry. You've been soaking up as the sponge. Now it's time to squeeze out. That's what it looks like. So he calls them. He says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. 
Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now I get it. You look at that and you're like, why are we even, that's just a word set, like a whole bunch of names. Like what are we even doing with that? I want you to observe something here. Look with this list of names. I want you to notice the semicolons. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon is called Peter and his brother Andrew, semicolon. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, semicolon. Philip and Bartholomew, semicolon. What is, what's going on here? Jesus, when he called them, the first thing he does is he put them on teams. He paired them up. He says, Peter, brother Andrew, and your brother Andrew, you guys are a team. Go over there. The next one, James and, and your brother John, you're over there. Philip, Bartholomew, you're a team. He put them in six teams of two. He paired them up. Why? Because the principle is nobody serves alone. Jesus didn't send them out by themselves. He sent them out on a team. This is what we, what we see here going on. And this is why at New Hope we talk about serving teams. Because as you serve, you serve with a team of people. That's what it looks like. And so I want to ask this morning, who's on your team? Who's on your team? Maybe for you, it's in your spouse, and that's, that's a perfect one. It's a great one. Your small group, maybe a ministry team that you have, whether here at the church, or, or maybe you're part of a team of people in a nonprofit or some ministry outside of New Hope. Either way, you need a team around you. So that's the first thing we see happen. Jesus put people on teams to serve. Number two, next one, next fill in the blank, it's this. That Jesus sent the teams out to someone. He sent them to someone. Look with me at verse 5. It says, these 12 uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He says, do not go to the Gentiles, do not go among the Gentiles, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. So what's going on here? Well, well Jesus loved all people, but in this instant, with these teams of people, Jesus says, look, you can go to, you can go, there's lots of people out there. There's a lot of harassed and helpless people, but I'm sending you right now to this group. This time I'm sending you to the Jewish people. These are the people I want you to go to. I want to ask you a question this morning again. Who's God sending you to? And maybe you're thinking this morning, well, that's the problem. I have no idea. Like, I, I don't even know what this looks like. To help you kind of process through that, I want to offer you some questions this morning. This is just for you, maybe to help you think through. Here's my first question. Is it who has the Lord put on your heart? Is there anybody on your heart? Second question. Who is already around you? Who's already in your sphere? Who's already just right there, kind of within touch, so to speak, that's already around you? Here's a third question. Who do you know is going through something that you've gone through in the past? Because did you know as, as you go through something, you go through something painful or difficult, that in time and as you heal and as God does a work in you, that, that God can use you to help other people going through the things that you've been, where, you, where you've gone through those. And so who are the people that are going through those things? These are the types of questions that you can begin to think about and, and wrestle with as you, as you think about, God, who are you sending me to? So much of it is just paying attention to what's around us. And then finally, number three, as we begin to wrap up this morning, it's this, that helping people helps people here. Helping people helps people here. Again, I'm just going through Matthew 10, principle after principle. Look with me, verse 7 and 8. As you go, Jesus said, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. There's the picture we have here. 
In other words, as you go, I want you to, to talk about the kingdom. I want you to share with people, but don't forget to do good. Now, it doesn't mean you have to heal, lep- heal leprosy or raise the dead. It's not, that's not the point. It's, it's loving people. And so for us, what this looks like, what it might look like in your life is to give someone a ride, bring a meal, mow a lawn, be a coach, listen. Those are beautiful things where it puts you in direct contact with people to love them. And as you love them, what happens is that you gain the right to invite and you gain the right to share, to speak into somebody's life. That's what it looks like. So the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Can I, can I challenge us as a church? I'm first in line. Let's pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and God will soften your heart and sharpen your call to what he has for you. So I want to invite the band to come on up. If they would, please. Because at this time, what, what we want to do is transition to communion. Communion.